honor you today. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Excuse the tears, but sometimes it just, it gets me. So I don't know about you, but my week has not been that great. And it's not because of anybody that's come against me or anything. Like, it's me. It's me that I've had the problem with. Because when I begin to look at myself in the mirror of God's word, I realize there's much to be done in this life. That there's a lot that God still needs to work on me with. But I continue to sit at his feet. Continue to listen to what he has to say. And even though I don't always like what God is saying, my soul, my spirit says yes and amen, God. Because I know that that's what's best for me. It's not always easy. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be some times that we're going to feel lonely, like no one understands. And understand that there's time that God wants to get you. And I'm not, this is not the sermon yet, but God has put this on my heart. Sometimes God has to get you to a place of isolation to where you can't see anybody but him. You can't talk to anybody else but him. I don't know, this may not be for you, but this is for me this morning, and I feel that you need to know this. That God is still working on me. Well, I guess it's preaching time. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Sixth chapter. We're going to read a lot in your hearing this this morning, <clears throat> just for the sake of context. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number six, beginning at verse number one. And it reads, it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day? And Jesus answered them and said, Have you not read so much as this? What David did when himself was a hungered, and they which were with him. How he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread and gave also to them that were with him, which 
it is not lawful to eat, but for the priest alone. And he said unto them, that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. And then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it. And he looked round about upon, uh, upon them all and said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. From this passage of scripture, I would like to take for the title of this message, I'm about to lose my religion. I'm about to lose my religion. This message was birthed out of a video that I had watched. Matter of fact, it was a church service that had put together a program the theme of the program is, why are young people not coming to church? And I listened to it about a lot of interesting arguments on both sides. There were the church folk that said that you need to be in church. You need to come and you need to hear what the word of God has to say. This is a place where you get your your spiritual growth from, your spiritual maturity from. And that's all true. Young people need to be in church. But on the other side, the young person stood up and said, well, we were in church, but you pushed us out of church. You pushed us out by your judgmental ways and you're always judging us and if we didn't look like you if we didn't do the things that you were doing you pushed us away you really didn't even give us a chance to learn and to understand this is a whole new generation that's coming up nowadays this is not a generation that that, that advised to do as I say not do as I say not as I do no, they're watching what you're doing. They're watching how you're acting. They're watching your behaviors. And they are acting appropriately. Could the church be guilty? Of in, instead of drawing people in, 
we're pushing them out. Understand that God has a standard for his church. And Jesus gives us a clear depiction of what the church really should look like. Because in the, in the, in the, in the fifth chapter, prior to this portion, Jesus called a tax collector, a publican, someone who is despised by the religious leaders or elite, someone who they de detested. And Jesus calls him to follow him. And the Bible says that immediately he got up and he left his, his tax collecting business and he followed Jesus. But here's the interesting part. Not only did he pick up everything and follow Jesus, but he invited a whole lot of his sinful friends to a party and invited Jesus there with them. He said, I, I, I want you to see this man. I want you to hear this man. And so there Jesus is sitting in the midst of tax collectors and sinners. And what did the church folk do? The church folk began to point fingers and say, how dare you sit with sinners? How, how dare you keep company with tax collectors? Don't you know they are the lowest form of sinner there is considered in Judaism? Jesus went and sat with the lowest of the lowest. And Jesus put it to him like this. He said that, 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 that well people don't need a doctor. It's the sick folk that need the doctor. And understand, brothers and sisters, there's a whole lot of sick folk that are out there that need a doctor. They need Jesus Christ. And Jesus has left it with us as the church to be the administration of the medicine in which he has to give them. But, 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 but are we guilty? Are we guilty of doing exactly the opposite? Are we guilty of, of injuring people and sending them out the door? Understand that chances are they certainly won't come back to this church. And they perhaps will never go to anybody else's church either. There's a lot of people that folk out there that's been hurt by the church at large. The church has its problems. It has its issues. Church has become overly judgmental to the point to where we're not going to help anybody get out of their sin. Begin to look at what's, what's the end result. The end result is that there are folk that's going to die and go to hell. And guess whose blood will be on, their, on our hands? It's going to be on our hands. Because we've been given the words of life. Jesus says it right here in the text. He said, is it lawful to heal or to do good on the Sabbath? In other words, what Jesus said, disregard your religious affiliations. Disregard your rituals. 
Because anytime it comes down to life and rituals and religion, Jesus says that, that your religion dies. It is life. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and to save. And how am I going to throw you a life raft if you're still on the boat? It's the one that's out in the sea that needs that life raft. Preserver. This is what Jesus is saying. In, in, in the text, in the text, Jesus is confronted numerous a time in the Gospel of Luke by these Pharisees, these scribes. The Pharisees were a religious sect that came after the second temple. They were the ones that were regarded as the religious elites. They were the ones that were the teachers of the word of God. They were the ones that were to be taking care of the word of God, to dispense the word of God. But if you know anything about the Pharisees, they had become puffed up in their own religious acts. They had begun to regard their own laws and traditions above God's word. And Jesus came to correct that. As a matter of fact, he spent three chapters in the gospel on Matthew correcting their interpretation of the law. Jesus wanted to get them straight as to what the law really means. The problem is that a lot of us don't really know what the word of God really means. We know what it says, but we really don't know what it means. And we're very dangerous with it because you go and you spew out these verses and you take them all out of context and they really don't mean what you say they mean. We've used them to beat people down. We've used them to run folk away. We've used them to ostracize people. And you never even give them a chance to come in and to sit at Jesus' feet and learn and have their souls regenerated. And I told you, there's going to be, there's, there's, there's going to be a time there's going to be a time that, 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 that these folk are start going to start coming in. And how will you respond? What, what, what would be your response to them when they come in here and they don't look like you? When they got the long dreadlocks, maybe smell like weed, smell like alcohol, what, what you going to do with that? Well, my prayer is that you would receive them in. That you'll let them know that there is hope right here. This is a hope message. This is not something of condemnation. This is hope. And they need to have some type of hope. Because that's what Jesus is. He's that hope for this world. Really, what, what, what good is in this world? This, this world has nothing, absolutely nothing to offer anybody because it's being controlled by Satan. I was up yesterday, uh, yesterday my, my granddaughter came in 
And she wanted me to listen to this song. She listened to on um, uh, kids' YouTube. And the song says, I'm not a boy, I'm not a girl, I'm a coconut. I'm not a boy, I'm not a girl, I'm a coconut. And instantly in my spirit, I was vexed by it. Because this is a real subtle way of the LGBT community pushing an agenda that you can switch what you have been born to be. And so I explained it to her, five years old. I explained it to her, because it has a real catchy you know, melody to it. I'm not a boy, I'm not a girl, I'm a coconut. And so I had to take the time to explain to her, no, 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 we need to get this, because this is what the world is pushing. This is what they're pushing on our young people. And I explained to her, I said, listen here, you are what God made you. If God made you a girl, you will always be a girl. You can't turn into a coconut or anything else. You will always be a girl. If God created you a boy, you will always be a boy. You cannot change into a coconut or anything else. And guess what? If God created you a coconut, you can't change into anything else either. And so we need to make sure that we are right in what we're doing and how we're receiving. We need to be attractive and, and, and bring them in that we might be able to teach them and to show them. Listen, don't you know that there are a whole lot of kids out there whose parents don't monitor them and they're getting this message from the world. We need to be there to stand in the gap and let them know that's untrue. Satan is very subtle. He's very crafty. And if we as the church, come on, help me somebody. If we as the church will not stand on the fence and stand on the line and tell what truth is, who, who's going to do it? Who, who, who's going to stand up and say, no, that's not right. It just so happened that my grandbaby had a grandfather that, that, that snuffed this out from the beginning. But there are some young people out there that don't have that same privilege. And so, so, so have we become too religious? And I, I, believe, I believe that all of us have, have used this, this phrase at one time or another. I'm about to lose my religion. And it's usually because someone has offended you. It's usually someone has, has come to you sideways some kind of way. And you, you've come to the end of your religious. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You've come to that end. And so what you're really saying is that I'm about to put down my religion. And I'm about to get at you. That's what, that's what I'm about to do. I'm about to put down my religion. I'm going to get you told. Well, understand is if that's all you have is religion, then you still got a problem. Yeah. 
Because, because, because religion is just that. It, it, it's something that, that, that you commit yourself to. It does not necessarily mean that you're committing yourself to God. You can religiously go and be a bowler. You can religiously bowl. You can religiously play basketball. But it's the object of it. In James, the first chapter, verse 27, it says that pure religion is undefiled. And then he begins to explain what pure religion is. He said pure religion is when you tend to the orphans and the widows, when you love them, when you take care of them, when you provide for them. Once again, we see, we see social outcasts here. Pure religion takes care of the socially outcasts. Those ones that cannot really take care of their mind. Widows and orphans were marginalized in the community. And they need someone to take care of them, to look after them. Much in the same way. There's a whole lot of folk outside of here that have been marginalized, that need that word of hope, that need that demonstration of hope. And so here we see that these Pharisees are attacking Jesus. And they're looking for opportunities to do so. And here in the text, they have that, right? Because here we see that Jesus and his disciples are walking through a cornfield. And the disciples get hungry. You know, walking sometimes will make you hungry, I'm assuming. And so what do they do? They reach up and they pluck off some corn. They rub it in their hands to get rid of the chaff and expose the kernels. And they begin to eat. Now understand that, that, that this is constituted under what they believe, the Old, Old Testament law, as being work. It has already been identified that this is a Sabbath. And so they're being charged with working on the Sabbath. This is one of the most foolish things that I've ever heard in my life. Because these gentlemen were just hungry. And you know that hum hunger is a human basic need. We all need to eat. But just because of their hatefulness of Jesus Christ, just because they don't like him. They push this false charge against his disciples. But what I see in the text is that, that the, as they're doing this, and Jesus kept the law. We do know that, right? He kept the law. And here I don't see Jesus saying anything about them doing what they did. And, and, and we never see Jesus say, no, no, don't do that because it's the Sabbath. Don't, 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 don't do that. Because Jesus understands the gravity of this whole situation. He understands that it's really not about the Sabbath. It's about people being blessed. And in the church today, it really, it really, it really is not about you know, Jesus Christ in, in, in the church or anything. It's just that Satan just don't want folk to be healed. He don't want them to be fed. And so he'll do whatever he can to stop it from happening. 
And so when you meet them at the door, or you meet them in passing in the church, and you have your little comments about how they may be dressed, how they may look, what they may say, you're doing just like these Pharisees. Because they need to be brought into the presence of an almighty God. A God who can fix their circumstance, can fix their situations. But we as a church, we shoot them before they even get to Jesus. It's, it, it, listen, listen, it's not your rebuke that's going to get them to turn around. If they turn around, they're going to turn around and walk back out the door. But our goal in the church is repentance. That is our goal. That's our objective is repentance. And it's Jesus Christ and the knowledge of Jesus Christ that will cause them to repent. But too many religious folk get to them before they get to the foot of the cross. Look here, in this text, there's two basic needs that every human being has. That is that of food and that of being healed. And so now they're coming at him about these disciples eating. And what did Jesus do? Jesus went to the word of God. He said, have not you read the word of God? He said, don't you remember when David and his men went into the temple and they were hungry. They needed food. They needed nourishment. And the priest gave them the showbread. It was only for the priest. Only the priest was supposed to eat this bread. But to satisfy this need that he had, that David and his men had, he gave them that was not permitted that he might be able to preserve their lives. This, this is all I'm saying. What, 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 if, what if he would have turned them away, David and his men away? David is a fugitive from Saul. He has no place to go. So when he comes in thirsty and hungry, he gives him the provisions that he needs. And this silences his critics. This silences those ones that are the fault finders. Because they realize that there's truth in God's word. But then he really upsets them. Because he says something that is akin to blasphemy. He said that I, the son of man, I am the Lord of the harvest. Well, how is Jesus the Lord of the harvest? Because the Sabbath is really Sabbath rest. And Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's that Sabbath rest that Jesus got. In other words, Jesus said that every day is the Sabbath. And let, 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 let me stop here right quick because there, 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 there's a real big push that I'm seeing and hearing about these black Hebrew uh, Israelites that are, that are, that are, that are uh, preaching a strict adherence to the Old Testament law and the Sabbath and keeping the Sabbath. Don't, don't buy into that mess. 
I've researched it. It's all falsehood. There is no truth in any of that. We've never been bound to the law under grace. The law that we have is the law of love that God gave us. But along with this law of love is a law of obedience to his word. If you love me, you'll keep my. That's the law that we have. The law to love folk, to love people, to love God. And if I say that I love God, then I'm going to live in obedience to his word. And so Jesus goes on. From this point, they come upon another Sabbath. I don't know what it is about the Sabbath, but they, they seem to always trying to catch, catch Jesus on the Sabbath. So they catch Jesus on another Sabbath. And I, and I think that this was a whole setup here for Jesus. I, I think they were really trying to set him up. But the, but the text tells us that Jesus knew their thoughts. As a matter of fact, he knew their thoughts even before they spoke it. Because they were sitting afar off watching to see how he would react to this man who had a withered hand. I, I don't know what withered me. Maybe, maybe it was paralyzed. But here we see that this man is brought before Jesus. And they're watching to see how Jesus will respond to this man. And so Jesus tells the man, he says, stand up. In other words, I'm going to put you on display because these folk need to see this. They need to see the healing power of Jesus Christ. Yes, even on the Sabbath day. Because you want to adhere to the Sabbath. But you do everything you want to do outside of, of God's word any other day. That, that, that's like, that's like a, you know, when I remember when I was coming up, you, you, didn't, you, they, you didn't do nothing on Sunday. You know, I mean, if, if you were a cusser, you didn't cuss on Sunday. You didn't tell a lie on Sunday. If you wanted to get the truth out of somebody, ask them something on a Sunday. Now people are cuss and lie any day of the week. It don't matter. There was a time that we honored God. This is time that we honored God on Sunday, at least. If you were playing worldly music and you passed by a church, you turned the music down. We don't have the Sabbath. And understand, listen here, for the most part, people really don't understand Sunday is not the Sabbath. Sunday is the day of worship. As a matter of fact, every day is a day of worship. But the original Jewish Sabbath went from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. So if you're going to keep it black Jewish Israelites, keep it like it's supposed to be kept. But I choose to give every day to God. Because my Bible says that this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And this is the day, it's not any particular day, it's every day. Every day belongs to God. 
Every day we should be honoring God and giving God praise. Every day we should be seeking after God and communing with God. Every day we should be listening to what the Lord is saying to us and leading and guiding us. Every day. And perhaps that's part of the problem. Why we can't get to a place to where we're, we're, we're receiving people in that we should be receiving in. Maybe, maybe, maybe because you, you've just localized your, your, your service unto God to just one day. God wants to spend more than just one day with you. God, God, God wants to have communion with you every day. He, he wants to put his loving arms around you and to take care of you every day. That's his desire. And so he tells this man to stand up. And he asks this question of them. He said, is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? Well, quite naturally, when you're dealing with, pope, with people, it's about saving lives. It's not about doing evil. Listen, at one time, Jesus told him, listen, if you had, if you had an oxen that fell into a ditch, on the Sabbath, would you not get down there and get him up out of there? Absolutely. Why? Because it's something of value to you. You know, if it's something valuable to us, we have a tendency to treat it differently. Well, all of us should value every soul that walks upon the face of this earth. We ought to value it because God values it. We need to view it like God views it. We need to stop being so religious and ritual in our behaviors and start being loving and kind and pulling people in. That's what we need to be doing. This is what God desires from us. We need to be seeking those who are lost. It's time out for us just doing uh, 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 church member swapping. We need to be seeking the lost. Those ones that are destitute, those ones that are without, those are the ones we need to be seeking. Okay, so how do you do it? God brings somebody in your path every day of the week that you need to be sharing the gospel message with. And far too many times we will shut it up. We won't say a word to them. They need to know that you have been saved by Almighty God. They need to know that the same God that saved you can save them. And understand, you'll be surprised that some folk that are out there that are suffering in silence won't say a word. But the minute you start ministering to them, they'll open up. There, 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 there are some people in your family that you cannot reach. But there's some other folk that can reach them. There's some people out there you've blown your testimony with. But God can raise up a person that can come in and do what you could not do. But he needs us to do that. He needs us to be obedient to that. Because as far as I read, there's only one time in the Bible that God used the animal to speak his word. 
He didn't use an animal anymore. You know who he did use? He used men and women. That's who he used. And it's time for us to put down our religiosity and pick up that faith and that love of the Lord Jesus Christ, that desire to see people be saved. So I'm asking you, commit yourself. If it ain't but, but just one day, two days out of the week, that you'll seek out somebody to share the gospel with. That you'll seek out someone to give them the good news of what Jesus Christ did for them. That you'll let them know, even if they've heard it already, still let them know. Let them know that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. People need to not understand that. That if you have not been saved by the power of God, you're going to a certain death. But God has prepared a gift for you. He's prepared an awesome gift for you. And that's the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. The song says, you don't know the cost. Yes, of the oil that was poured. But I understand the cost of my salvation. I, I, I understand what was, what was needful, what, what needed to be paid. That yes, the payment for my sin is death. And, I, and that Jesus died for my sins. I didn't and could not die for my own sins, but he died for my sins. He took my place upon the cross. Yes, it should have been me with that cross on my shoulders, marching up Galgotha's hill. It should have been me. Just like the two thieves that were crucified with him. Jesus took his cross. He marched it on up Galgotha, knowing full well what it was going to mean. He willingly laid down and let them nail him in his hands. Nail him in his feet. He willingly did this. He gave his life for us. He sacrificed for us. Gave us what we could not do. Yes, he died upon that cross. It took him off and put him in a tomb. But on the third day, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. He destroyed the works of the enemy at Calvary. He rose victoriously on resurrection ground. He sits at the right-hand side of the Father, making intercessions for us. He's still working on our behalf. He's still praying for you and for me. Let Jesus be your example. Don't, don't, don't look to anybody else. Don't look to man. Let Jesus be the example. Why? Because he is the perfect sacrifice. Not only is he making intercession for us, he's coming back again. He's going, he's going to come back. He's going to rapture his church. I'm waiting on it. I'm waiting on him to crack the skies and, and, and take me away from this mess down here. But until then, I'll share this gospel. I'm going to share it with the lost, those who are lost. I'm going to share it with those who are without, who need something, who need salvation. And I'll do this until I die or the rapture happens. Because this is what he's called us to do as believers. Not to a life of religious 
works or anything like that. Do you know he's called you to love people? Don't, don't you know that, 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 that in loving people that you're loving him as well? Why? Because Jesus loves everybody. Yes, he does. Even the hardened criminal out there, even the vilest person out there, Jesus still loves them. And you can't get away from that. I don't care how much you talk about, oh, this, this love gospel. No, that's what the gospel really is. No greater love does a man have for his friend than he lay down his life for him. That is the foundation of our Christian faith. Because of his love. The greatest and the most powerful force out there is the love of God. And when you walk in the love of God, you're walking in power and authority. That's what it is. You want to destroy the enemy? Come with the word of God. That's what destroys yokes. That's what breaks bondages. That's what we come to do. We come to break the bondages of the enemy. It's time out for us just playing church. And I'm talking about the entire church. I'm not necessarily talking about this church. I'm talking about church, period. Too much entertainment. We need to do the work of the church. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. If you desire to have a loving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you desire to enter into a place where you can worship God in spirit and in truth, I'm going to ask you to come now. I'm going to ask you to come now.